Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is my co-host, Arzu. Hello. So last week we talked about the Nox and a brief candle, which introduced us to some important side characters and provided some fun adventures. And today we'll be talking about episodes 9 and 10, Thor's Hammer and The Torment of Tantalus. Thor's Hammer premiered on September 26, 1997, was written by Catherine Powers and directed by Brad Turner, and The Torment of Tantalus premiered on October 3, 1997, was written by Robert C. Cooper and directed by Jonathan Glasner. So we got to learn a little bit about this version of the Norse gods <laughs> and the four great races, which is really exciting. Arzu, would you please give us a quick summary on these two episodes? Yes. So Thor's Hammer is very much an Adventure of the Week style episode where mm-hmm. they go to a new world um, where everybody is sort of descendant of Vikings, of the Norse people. And Thor is apparently very real. He's got mm-hmm. a giant hammer, um, which is like erected in their village. But the deal with this world is that the Gwolds cannot go there. It's like a safe space mm-hmm. from them. So Thor's hammer scans them on arrival, um, catches the fact that Teal'c is a gold and sucks him into the hammer, but Jack kind of jumps to stop it, and both of them get pulled in. So they've got the two of them figuring out how to get out on their end, and on Daniel and Sam's side, we have them meeting... Oh my god, her name's not Kendra. Yeah, it is. Yes. Yep. <laughs> we have them meeting Kendra, who is a healer in the village and a former goal. She's got a scar on her back and everything. So it's kind of about shedding your parasites and moving on. That's that yep. episode. And the other one, the torment. Yeah, the torment of Tantalus is a very fun one that involves a lot of 1940s flashbacks. And we see mm-hmm. Catherine come back. Catherine, who you will all remember from the movie. Yep. Um, talking about how they actually managed to turn on the Stargate sometime in the 40s because Roosevelt was very interested in it and Catherine's boyfriend name I want to say is Eugene Ernest Ernest I was close Catherine's <laughs> boyfriend Ernest um, is actually the first person to have gone through but when he gets to the other side he gets stuck there so 50 years later they have gone in to fish him out and then we learned about the four great races, which I'm sure we're going to get into. But Great. Okay, so let's do our quote reveal. Last week I gave you the quote, you must leave without me. If I stay, I will remain safe. And you, you gave me two options for your guests. You said either it's Sharae speaking to Daniel, asking him to leave her behind because of a weird situation with the Gwaul, or that the Teal was talking to the group, telling him, telling them to leave him alone for some spicy time with a lady friend that they didn't trust. <laughs> I forgot about the spicy time. <laughs> um, I do really appreciate your imagination. <laughs> um, and yeah, your context was completely wrong, but I'll give you a point for Teal'c speaking. Can I say the Teal'c speaking was correct. Yeah. The weird situation with the gold was correct. It's just the wrong speaker well yeah i mean that yeah that's true i mean don't give me the point because i was way off but i just think it's funny that i'm like this is gonna involve the gold somehow but also teal needs to get laid and (laughs) if only i hadn't been thinking along those lines i might have actually gotten it this time (laughs) 
so close you know all right so um i there i feel like there's so many interesting things to talk about in these episodes um let's see i apologize that my notes are not as extensive this time oh that's fine i i kind of want to start with the very beginning of the thor samur episode Daniel introduces the theory that the Gould did not build and invent the Stargates. Yes. Which is huge. Uh, because up to this point, we always assumed that the Gould were the ones who built them and distributed them across the galaxy. And now we know that they didn't. Dun, dun, dun. This comes up again, I'm assuming. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> In a big way. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because basically all of the Gould's technology is stolen from another race. And another race who is going to become very important later Which on. Which I'm guessing happens with the four great races thing. Yes. Cool. Yeah. So it's all tying, starting to tie together already in season one. We're already getting like big picture hints and stuff. It's really fun. This is back in the day when they had actually let you build out your lore. I know. <laughs> Not just dump it on people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the idea that the world did not invent the Stargates. So, I mean, Daniel kind of tosses around the idea that it's the Norse gods who might have built them, but that may or may not be true. Uh, <laughs> I feel like it's not. <laughs> we did see in the episode with the Torment of Tantalus that the Norse gods are represented mm -hmm. in that room, which we'll get into later. But this is kind of like a, also a callback to the episode where um, the Hansen dude who thought he was a god, you know, was on that planet. Yeah. And Teal'c said that the Gua'uld would sometimes terraform planets. Mm -hmm. And so when I was watching that, I was like, did the Gua'uld terraform the planets or did they claim the work of somebody else? Well, now if they're not the ones who built the Stargate, they're probably yeah. just using something existing, including the terraform planet. Right. But I don't, I mean, we never really get an answer to that. I mean, it's possible that they do, they did terraform planets. Maybe they stole the technology in order to be able to do so, but maybe they did still terraform some themselves. Well, I mean, wouldn't it, it would track though, with the gold being a parasitic race that they... Mm -hmm are not only parasites in human hosts, but they are parasitic in that they appropriate the technology and work of others. Yeah. And use it. So all of it would track. I don't even think we need to go so far as to give them the terraforming credit. <laughs> yeah. Just did nothing for themselves. <laughs> well, they, uh, yeah, I guess it goes back to the whole thing of, did they invent the Egyptian gods or did they take on the roles of the Egyptian gods that already existed. And this isn't something we get a, an uh, answer. I feel like it's hinted more that they adapted from what was already on in, as part of Earth's culture, but I'm not sure that we ever get a firm answer on that. But that would be interesting if that were the case, because it is stated that like Thor and them are real. Right. So for them to make a definitive statement that like the Norse pantheon is real but the egyptian uh, is like real and is this alien race but the right. egyptian pantheon is like a myth hmm. is a strange line to draw yeah so maybe all the egyptian gods 
did come from them. So maybe the one thing that they did invent for themselves was their god the identities. <laughs> yeah, is the one thing they invented. Yeah. <laughs> There's a small point, and you mentioned that it comes up here, and it doesn't ever come up again. Um, the little box that they make to take with, like, yes. Um, I I know that there is a real version of this floating mm -hmm. out in space somewhere. It's like right. got music and welcome broadcasting and i'm like i don't understand this human obsession with needing to give aliens like a road map to who we are yeah like it's like don't put your information online do you know what i mean like <laughs> it's that on a bigger scale i'm like i don't know why you're handing them a toolbox to understand all of our weaknesses and you're like this doesn't come up again and i'm like good because it was a stupid thing to do yeah i felt like it was really random and i mean I guess it kind of worked out because they were just taking it to the planet hoping to find an ally and like, but what if, I mean, it, it ends up being the Norse gods that they end up befriending later are good people, luckily. So it's not like it fell into the wrong hands, but then what if it did? What if it ended up on a planet with not so trustworthy people and then they know a lot about your race? Maybe that's why they didn't do it again because they like did that and they're like, yeah, and thank God they were so friendly. And then back in like the military, they're like, hold on, you're giving <laughs> what to who? And then they just kind of shut yeah. it down because they're like, it's not only a bad budget problem, but we're just not doing that again. Yeah. Plus, I feel like any race, like a member of the four great races kind of thing, are probably already know who the people of earth are so getting that box would be like oh okay <laughs> hey little child <laughs> i also like that it's like supposed to be everything that makes humans human like samples of all their culture and it's like the size a tiny of a hardcover box. book yeah <laughs> a thick hardcover book but a hardcover book all the same yeah it makes me wonder exactly what's inside and like how the information is stored yeah like <laughs> Is it on a piece of technology that no one else can access? That would be very um, typical, like, Earth pride to just mm -hmm. go with some floppies and CD-ROM. Be like, here you go. Mm -hmm. It's us in a box. They're like, great, this is useless. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about Thor's hammer. Mm -hmm. So when you go through the gate on this planet... Um, there's a device that's, it's kind of part of Thor's hammer, but it's not the whole thing that takes any Gwauld into this underground uh, cave system. And the only way out is through this portal, well, not a really portal, through this door. And going through the door will kill any Gwauld who pass through it. Not and, the host, though, just the parasite. Right. Although I guess in theory it could kill the host because Kendra was saying that she had to be strong-willed in order to get through it. Right. So maybe if you weren't strong-willed enough that it would kill you too. Yeah, I guess. I misunderstood what she was saying, but yeah, that doesn't make sense. What did you think she was saying? I thought she was saying that she was like strong-willed enough that like she could sort of retain access to her mind while yeah. it was in there yeah that too just like in her day-to-day -day. oh that she was also saying that yeah yeah because that was that was what i got from it 
because then I got very offended on Sheree's behalf. <laughs> well, because it's the whole thing of like convincing the gold in her head to go to this place in the first place and then to go walk through the doorway that would kill it. And so it's like a test of wills because obviously the gold trying to control her is going to want to exit that doorway without being killed and she's trying to force her way through the doorway so yeah there's like multiple battles of will going on yeah but when they first get in there when jack and teal get in there and they listen to this holographic recording i just thought it was really funny how it's like referencing a legal code <laughs> <laughs> and it's like according to law uh, section four two points here <laughs> it had to come from somewhere <laughs> yeah. this does introduce something that comes up later on though in terms of there being powerful races that are strong enough to um, go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the gold so like the gold organize themselves into a well very loosely organized group called the system lords and they kind of sort of have rules but it's kind of vague but there are other races who are like we'll leave you alone as long as you leave us alone so like this planet right here is safe don't go on this planet or we're gonna we're gonna come after you kind of thing mm -hmm. so that's what this this is one of the protected planets from the norse gods so the gold can't go there and that will come up later. Interesting that they respect that. I mean, knowing about the four races and all that, that kind of mm -hmm. makes sense if they're all sort of on a relatively even playing field. Mm -hmm. But it was surprising to me that they're like, you know, there's Stargate access to this world. And they're like, this is protected. The Gwold can't come here. And I'm like, but the fact that the Gwold are like respecting that was very surprising mm -hmm. initially. I mean, I guess having a, a big hammer that parts Parasite from Host is a pretty big deterrent, but... But, I mean, they also have a strong enough deterrent that the gold don't go there in ships either. Yep. Yeah. So that's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. The next thing in the cave yes. was a big scary monster. Okay. The jump from, like, Party City Thor to this big scary monster <laughs> that looks like, I don't know, a budget version of the Klingons on Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> all I could think of. It's all very budget costumes, but it's 1997. I don't know what I expected. I will admit, I didn't quite get the deal with the monster. I know they were explaining it, and I'm like, I need you all to explain this to me like I'm five. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was wondering if you could... Because they kind of talk around it in like little snippets, and I feel like if they had just done it in one like long monologue, it would have made more sense. Like a couple times, I'm like, you have lost me. Yeah. So basically what they were explaining was that this creature called the, the Unas mm -hmm. um, come from the same planet as the Gua'uld. Okay. So their home worlds are exactly the same. So the Gua'uld first took on the Unas as host. Okay. Because they were the only other creatures capable of being receptacles on that planet. Right. And, I mean, it worked out pretty well in that the Unas are incredibly strong and already have really strong, like, regenerative powers on their own. And then that gets amplified when they have a gold because a gold increases 
the healing of the host. Mm-hmm. So the, these huge, you know, foreboding creatures. And so that's how they started their rule throughout the galaxy was using the Unas as hosts and then, you know, conquering the galaxy. And then eventually I, what I'm assuming the change happened was that like, okay, the Unas are really foreboding, but they're, they're also like clearly, I wouldn't say clearly monsters, but they are more frightening to people than anything else. And I'm wondering if maybe the Gwold were like, let's take on some human hosts in order to appear, maybe not friendly to humans, but less removed from them in a way. Yeah. That's just my own personal theory. They never explain like why they change from Unas to human hosts. I mean, I think it works because look at like Jack and Teal's reaction when the Unas shows up. And they're not yeah. guys who are like not used to seeing very weird things. Yeah. So the Gwold are probably figuring if they have a more approachable host, mm-hmm. they can kind of lull the humans into a false sense of security long enough to right. serve their purposes. Right. Especially because some Gwold do pretend to be benevolent, like Pelops in Brief mm-hmm. Candle. He right. was pretending to be a good god who was taking care of them and giving them a gift, even though he was, you know, really experimenting on them. But I'm not sure he would have been able to do that in the body of an Unas. <laughs> no, they wouldn't have listened to a word he said. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's probably why it's just to yeah. suit their purposes. Once they kind of had the might mm-hmm. they got from possessing the Unas, then they could just move on to humans. Yeah. Yeah, and Unas does mean the first ones. So that is like the name that other people call them. I don't know if we specifically learn what they call themselves, um, but they have their own language and we do learn more about them later. Oh, well, there we go. They're coming back. Yeah, because I feel like in this episode, it was also a little bit confusing whether or not when he introduced himself, the Unas was like, I am the first one. It was like unclear if he meant like, the first race of gold or if he meant like i am literally the first gold or both <laughs> yeah and i think the answer is just that he is of the unas who are the first race to be used as hosts and not like he personally is the first one right but yeah i did kind of find that a little bit confusing myself <laughs> you've seen this more than once you have that that advantage yeah. for you yeah, I feel like seeing later episodes with more Unas like helps me understand this one better because <laughs> they're just so disjointed in this episode trying to explain it. Well, I mean, the two episodes we have today are fairly lore heavy. So, yeah, that's probably why. Yeah. Did you recognize the voice of the Unas? No. It was James Earl Jones. Oh, how did <laughs> yeah. I pick up on that? Hmm. Add me. <laughs> Just so conditioned to James Earl Jones, I don't notice it anymore. Right. Now you have to go back and watch again and listen and for his voice. Need to listen to him talk. It um, obviously was not him in the monster suit. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't think so. <laughs> Getting the legendary James Earl Jones to put on like a discount creature from the Black Lagoon outfit and just go. <laughs> no, I didn't think so. But huh. I liked I liked the Unas's costume thing. I oh, was... I know. It's I keep talking about this being budget and discount. It's actually quite a good costume. It's very well yeah. done. Yeah. It's just so like reminiscent of other things, but like slightly off. Mm. So that's why. Well, different Star Wars franchises inspire each other. So 
Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Like there's only so much you can do in sci-fi. So yeah. So Kendra's introduction. Yes. As a healer, um, I thought was funny because it's interesting to find the line where Jack feels intervention is necessary. Um, <laughs> because murder is not, rape is right. not, right. violence is not. But apparently, mm-hmm. having a broken wrist healed, he's like, we gotta do something, and like Sam has to hold him back. Yeah. Like. Daniel, where is your line? He has very strange priorities. Like, it's just, it's not even like he has suddenly over the last nine episodes shifted in his perspective of like, oh, I guess we can intervene when necessary. It was kind of like this moral outrage of, I can't believe we're not helping this person. And I'm like, that hasn't been you mm-hmm. up till now. Usually Sam is the one who needs to step in. I wonder if it's because like she was specifically using a gold device, whereas in the past, when there's been like murder or rape, there hasn't been gold involved. Oh, maybe. So it's when just gold like, do it, it's bad. But when humans do it, it's fine. Right. Well, because she's able to use a gold healing device, then she must be one herself, kind of thing. And so yeah, the jump. Which turns out she is. Well, she was, was. not anymore. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of find out, and we're gonna get some more information right at the beginning of season two. About how if you used to have a gold in you and you no longer do, you still have the ability to use gold devices because basically all the gold devices are made with Naquita, which is the same material as the Stargate. Mm-hmm. And all the gold have trace amounts of Naquita in their blood. And so that's how they're able to power the devices. And I guess once the parasite leaves the not the ability, like the trace amounts remain. Right. Yeah, it kind of get like gets absorbed into your body and bloodstream. How symbiotic. Is... Yeah, it's really gross, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because generally when one dies, it just like dies inside you. They're not usually removed, I don't think. I don't know. We'll get into it later. Yeah. But yeah, I uh, I did think Kendra was really interesting. Does she come back? Not that I remember. I don't think so. Okay. But I did think it was really interesting, like, just in terms of having someone who used to be a gold. And I I was wondering why she never went back to her home planet after that. And I don't know, maybe she just felt like a sense of duty to help Thor's people since Thor helped her. It it could also be just like the trauma associated with it of being possessed in the first place yeah kind of like the whole thing she was saying about like beauty is a curse i had to hide in the temple and like now she kind of knows what the deal is right but you can't really shake that 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 still did happen to her there so right maybe just you prefer remaining on the world where it ended rather than the world where it started i'm also wondering if i mean it's possible that she was a host for a couple hundred years oh that's true so it could be that her yeah maybe her family is you know dead by now or if her planet was frequently visited by gold maybe she's afraid of getting captured again yeah very possible to be made a host again so yeah yeah but yeah i mean it's really interesting and like you know she reminded daniel the fact that he does have a wife um He actually did remember after somebody mm-hmm. else brought her. Okay, I have a note that he is talking to her. He's talking to Kendra about his wife mm-hmm. in the past tense. 
Right. <laughs> she was this and she was that. I'm like, so you've just straight up given up, Daniel, on ever, ever finding this woman. <laughs> and she's like, she still could be. Like, Kendra's like, Daniel, she's not dead. And Daniel's like, isn't she, though? <laughs> I feel like you're oversimplifying it, but... <laughs> I feel like Daniel is like, well, I'm a widower. And they're like, no, you're not. And he's like, definitely a widower. Well, I, I'm thinking like up to this point, he didn't know if it was ever going to be possible for her to get rid of the gold inside of her. Mm -hmm. And now we're confronted with evidence that she can, like that there is that possibility. He's confronted with that evidence. And he's like, yep, rest yeah. in peace, Jeray. <laughs> she was great. I was, I was frustrated with him. When he was mansplaining what a Jaffa is to a former Gwold. I'm like, my boy. He can't help himself. <laughs> he is a white male academic. She was a Gwold. She yeah. knows what Jaffa are. <laughs> how, many, how many professors do you know who say that they're at some academic function and they're like, well, you don't know what you're talking about. You should read like blah, blah, blah. And they cite like their own paper at them. Yeah. <laughs> like that's Daniel. Daniel would 100%. Yeah cite a woman's paper back to her yeah her and kendra and kendra is just like i know everything i need to know about the, the jaffa i'm like yeah <laughs> that's an extremely polite way of telling <laughs> you to shut up oh my god daniel daniel oh although another another jerk is jack so when they do go and find um the the exit to this cave they help tealk be able to exit without killing his infant Gwold. And it was so cute when they went in and the Gwold was like crying. I'm like, I know it's a parasite, but I actually feel bad for it. It's like <laughs> squeaking and I'm like, oh no, I don't feel the same. Poor way. little worm. They're so gross. <laughs> Jack called it Junior. He's like, how's Junior doing? Oh yeah, he does that all the time. <laughs> Do not think of it as a baby. It's, it's a not baby. cute. It's not cute. It's a worm. It's a baby worm. It's not cute. Okay, fine. <laughs> I got anyway. my priorities all messed up. I'm like, the gold's so cute <laughs> anyway. Daniel's a problem. I'm just, <laughs> my priorities are a little skewed today. Well, so at the end, they have to destroy Thor's hammer in order for Teal'c to exit. And I thought it was such an asshole move for Jack to tell Daniel to do it. I'm like, you're making Daniel destroy the thing that could save his wife. Why don't you do it, Jack? I'm not even 100% clear on why. Why they had to destroy it? Yeah. Did I miss it? Well, because Tilk couldn't pass through the doorway and keep his gold alive. But they helped him do that. Could they not take the device with them? No, the device is like embedded into the structure. I got it mixed up with the stick. Daniel was holding. Oh no, that's the staff weapon. Just Thor's hammer is like the, the, the big doorway, big open doorway. That looks that like he, a hammer. Yeah. That looks like a hammer. Yeah. Ignore me. I got the two things mixed up. Yeah. So he has to destroy it so Teal can go through. And I'm like, why couldn't Jack do that himself instead of forcing Daniel to do it? That just seems really cruel. Because that's how Jack rolls. He's been he, look. He's been in the basement all day. He's a little grumpy. I guess I don't know. I, don't know. I just feel like both Daniel and Jack are not doing great today. <laughs> they need a vacation. They need to realign their priorities. Just 
touch. <laughs> Sam had nothing to do this time around. Yeah, that's true. She's just there. Yeah. I don't even think they passed the Bechdel test. Like, she didn't talk to Kendra on her own, did she? No. No. I know I'm jumping ahead to the Bechdel test, but I'm just like, really, now that I think about it, Sam didn't do anything. Yeah, that's why I'm trying to... Like, what did she do? I mean, she was not convinced that Kendra knew what she was talking about. But that's pretty much it. That's, like, pretty much the only lines that we get from her. I think it's pretty much the same for the next episode, too. Like, she has some funny moments in the next episode, but otherwise... At least in the next episode, we have Catherine, though, as well. So there's a little bit more women representation. I mean, like, Kendra is our woman this time around, but I think it's very interesting they've only ever got space for one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The guys always have something to do, but there's only ever room for one woman at a time. Yeah. Well, that will change very soon coming up. Actually, in two podcast episodes from now, there will be a woman-centric episode but not like um emancipated no (laughs) (laughs) which was also arguably woman-centric that's true but not Um, not that kind of woman-centric yeah and it's not necessarily without its problems but it's nothing like emancipation so (laughs) awesome yeah i do think it's not not the point but when they're um when teal'c is going through the through thor's hammer Mm mm-hmm to leave um i don't know if it was the door screaming or the gold screaming but it sounded like r2d2 it was like you know like when archer's like doing his little freak out scream it sounded uh-huh. like that. i don't know if that was intentional or if i'm just hearing as he was walking through it yeah oh you're talking about when it was still active yeah like when although yeah okay yeah, yeah like before it was destroyed yeah it made mm-hmm. like a screaming sound yeah yeah yeah, yeah that was an intense sound <laughs> I was just like, is that R2-D2? <laughs> it was a very prolonged R2-D2 scream. <laughs> I did roll my eyes again at them being thrown through the Stargate again at the very beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why? They were walking through normally, and now they're being thrown through again. Because this is a different god system. That, no, that is, I, no. <laughs> no, that makes no sense. I don't know. Maybe this has something to do with the um, order on the DVDs. Maybe it was like production order versus release order. Oh. Let me look that up. That could be it. Yeah, because we're covering them in release order, but yeah, maybe they were. Yeah. I don't guarantee that I'll find the answer to this, but let me check. Nah. Sometimes Wikipedia lists like production order oh no yeah sometimes it looks like production order versus release order but they didn't do that for this mm. oh well i was also wondering can i mean kendra knew that there was a nunas in there but she didn't necessarily know what it was so it makes me wonder if she had any interaction with it at all or not because it seemed like she didn't really know anything about it so either she just didn't remember because her gold was still in control or she got through the labyrinth really quickly and through Thor's hammer really quickly without encountering it. Yeah. I don't know. I can't think why that would be. Yeah. thought it was funny, too, how, like, Teal'c actually looks scared for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because, like, Kendra's talking about her fear and Teal'c is afraid. So, like, clearly we're seeing, like, where that gold fear line is. 
right? Yeah. Like how much of Teal'c's fear is, is his own and how much is the parasite? Right? What do you mean the parasite? Like the worm. Like the one in his stomach? Yeah. Well, that's their mind mean... one and the same. Like, I'm not clear. No, not at all. No, no, no. Yeah. But, it's but if like the blood is mixing, then I wonder if some of the fear is like the golds and not like Teal'c. Well, the their blood is not mixing. But it does. No. You just said it does. No, I said for the Gwa'uld. He's not Gwa'uld. He's not Gwa'uld. He's Jaffa. But he's got a Gwa'uld. Yeah, but there's a difference. He's but not possessed by one. He's just incubating one. Think about him like a mama kangaroo. Oh, He's got a pouch. It's not cute. <laughs> he's got a pouch. And he's storing this gross nasty worm that you should not think is cute inside <laughs> okay and For... it does not it it does provide him with an immune system like it helps him heal quickly but that's it that's the limit to like their interaction okay for those of you listening i've been up since three o'clock in the morning um <laughs> so that's why my brain's a little slow today and that's the, so the excuse i'm sticking with so the guauld are the ones that have the right. gold symbiote in their head controlling the host body. Ignore that entire point I just made. Yeah. So Teal'c's okay. gold does not control him whatsoever. They do kind of feel each other's feelings whenever Teal'c meditates. He does this thing. They'll explain it later. He does this thing called Kelno Rain, which is just a deep state of meditation. And he does mm -hmm. that instead of sleeping. Oh, that's awesome. But his little Primta does not control him. Okay. And it also does not release Nakoda into his system. So he cannot use the gold hand devices. Okay. Yeah. That makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> Ready to move on to the next episode? Yeah, let's do it. Jack was kind of rude to Daniel in the last episode. Now in this one, when Daniel is super intrigued by these files that they were sent, Jack actually covers for him. And he's like, yeah, 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 you go do your thing. Go talk to Catherine. I'll, <laughs> I'll stay here. We're, we're buddies. They're just, you know, they have their rough patches, but they're buddies. Yeah. Like, could you see that they could be friends? And interesting to hear that Roosevelt uh, wanted to know what, what the Stargate did when he was president. He had no other concerns in 1947. Yeah. None but yeah, I, I love this episode, um, getting to hear some backstory on Catherine and Ernest is so precious. He really, he's a bean. I want to hug him so bad. While he's got <laughs> pants on, though. Yes, while he's fully clothed. <laughs> I loved, like, when he was, like, going around hugging everybody while naked. Sam was just like, oh, no. <laughs> she's like, zooped out of the way she's like no thank you and Teal's just like okay just the look he gave them it was like, but I mean I would do the same thing if I had been alone for oh, 50 years oh I thought you meant if an old naked guy was walking oh no like, 100% I'd dip right away no I would go hug everyone if I had not seen anybody else in 50 years I wouldn't care what I was wearing I thought it was very like it was Okay, the whole bit where they find Ernest on the other side of the Stargate mm -hmm. was so sad. Yes. It was so sad. And, like, the, the bigger, like, plot stuff, well, I'm sure we'll talk about in a second. 
But just things like the fact that it takes him a minute to remember how to speak. Right. Because I thought he had completely forgotten how to speak and was only using like little fragmented words and that was going to be it for the whole time. But like the longer we're with him, the more he talks. Yes. I'm like, it's just like he hasn't had to talk in 50 years. Yep. Which is wild to think about. That is such a long time. Yep. It was like heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, he just had conversations with the imaginary Catherine in his head for 50 years. Oh my God. The whole thing where like, we we spoke, you forgave me so uh-huh. long ago. And she's like, no, I didn't. I thought you were dead. I'm like, this is breaking my heart. Yes. I was so sad for him. <sighs> like, don't worry, Ernest. She's going to forgive you for real. Like, I, I don't think I was ready for this. I was like, cool, 1940s. But I wasn't quite ready for this. Uh, <laughs> for this gut punch. Yeah. And they never bring up Ernest again oh, I'm, does Catherine I'm, come back? Catherine does come back I'm assuming that they're living happily ever after together <laughs> I don't want to contemplate anything else right <laughs> oh man they're just adorable Ernest is so precious I also thought Catherine was very cute in her little fatigues when they take her through yeah like they just found little fatigues to fit her uh-huh. very sweet oh man okay Let's see. Oh, so kind of a shout out for the people who have seen Stargate Atlantis. The actor that plays young Ernest plays Dr. Carson Beckett in Atlantis, the doctor. So he will come back. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't mean anything to you. Nothing, nothing at all. (laughs) When we get there, you're going to be like, that's the guy who played Ernest. And I'm going to be like, wow. Um, yeah, I like Catherine saying that Daniel reminded her of Ernest when he was young. I'm like, well, Ernest had a better haircut, but sure. I mean, Ernest is, you know, he's living in the age of, like, men really taking care of themselves and really making uh-huh. their hair sharp. And, like, Daniel's been living in a wormhole for six months. So, <laughs> hasn't really had time to get it styled, you know? Well, but Daniel had shaggy hair in the Stargate movie. Daniel's an academic. He doesn't really have time to get his <laughs> style. You know? <laughs> he does He does eventually get rid of that terrible... No, does he? Well, eventually. Devastating. <laughs> like the shaggy hair. <laughs> I, I generally just really liked this episode because, like, I thought it was the most interesting opener that we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, ooh, what's going to happen next? Mystery. What did they do in 1945? Ooh. So, I, yeah, yeah. Like, it made me realize, like, I hope we get more yeah. stuff like this. Yeah. Like, that doesn't necessarily open with the team. Yeah, I think we will. That'd it's kind nice. of hard to, like, quantify that exactly. Yeah, I don't, I don't expect you to remember <laughs> it all off the top of your head. Yeah, I thought it was very appropriate that Catherine finally got to go through the gate. Like, she was aware of the Stargate since the age of, like, 10. Yeah. And they never let her go through the gate before. And they never even... Apparently, they never told her that Daniel came back from Abydos. And it's like, what the hell? (laughs) This lady is one of the most important people concerning the discovery of the Stargate. And you just don't even tell her. (laughs) Which, like, she is right to be upset. Yeah. 
and General Ham just like, oh, you know, she's a civilian. I'm like, dude. So is like, Daniel. I know he's under contract, but like, you wouldn't have the Stargate if it wasn't for Catherine. Yeah. Ugh. Come on, Hammond. It's probably because they knew if they told her, they'd be like, where's Sheree? And they'd be like, who? So. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I do love Catherine, but I was wondering if you if you agreed that I thought her comment to Teal'c was kind of offensive because they were like in the conference room mm -hmm. and Teal'c said something for the first time in front of her and she was like, oh, you can speak? Yeah, like if it was an old civilian, fine. If it was, I don't know, if you want to lean into any stereotypical aspect and be like, okay, sure. But this is a woman who knows alien life exists, who knows mm -hmm. Daniel's been living there for like, upwards of a year. Mm -hmm. I think it's very like naive of her to assume that the being they brought back with them who's attending their conference can't speak to them. Right. I mean, I'm guessing she's just kind of teasing him for being quiet but it just came off to me as condescending yeah yeah that's that's true i hadn't considered that it could just be one of those like oh wow so you do know how to talk because you've been so quiet like something you would say to like a student i guess i find but... that offensive personally because i got those comments a lot as a kid because i was so shy Mm. And so then when I actually would say something, be like, oh, you do talk. And I just found that so insulting. Okay. So this is more like on a personal level. Yeah. I relate to Tilk in this moment. <laughs> <laughs> like, look, there's a room with a new person in it. I don't know who this person is and if they're going to be nice to me. So no, I'm not going to contribute very much to the conversation. But yes, I can understand you. And yes, I can speak. Thank you very much. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Uh, so do we want to talk about the machine? Not the machine, the like chemistry thing. <laughs> Where Daniel's like, chemistry is a universal language. And I'm like, well, I'm never speaking to anybody ever again. Well, I heard... barely passed chemistry. Well, we've heard the concept in other like media. I feel like that math is a universal language. Yeah. So that kind of that's the same in every language. Right. So I, I feel like that kind of tracks that chemistry is the same in every language too. I mean, you have different like names for things. <laughs> so so you personally have a problem with it. I personally have a problem with it. Okay. Yeah. We're both personally offended at different things in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I also think like when we say math is a universal language, I don't think anybody means math can replace speech. Hmm. It's just, it is a, a thing that is understood in every language. It's the same. Right. Whereas, like, here, the implication almost seems to be that, like, chemistry has replaced speech as well, a means be of communication. Well, it's like they've basically assigned, like, number values that they represent through the elements in order to convey a message. Yeah, so I guess it's just, it's about finding a key. But then once you find the key, the key to any cipher is still in a language. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. And like you could you could record a message that way, but would it not be rooted in a particular language to begin with? Yeah, like even like what's it called? Like the thing people use for spoilers, like ROT 13, ROT 13, where you sort of offset the alphabet by 13 letters. So it looks mm. indecipherable until you run it through the, oh, the okay. thing that fixes it for you. But even that has is rooted in English. Right. Right. Or in, or not in English, and sorry, in the Latin alphabet, because I guess you could do it in any language. Yeah. Um, 
it's rooted in the Latin alphabet. So you do need a basis mm-hmm. for whatever code you've come up with. So that's where it doesn't mm-hmm. hold up for me. Yeah, I feel like something based in like pictographs would be a lot easier to understand. And I think almost maybe that's what they were getting at until they did said the number value thing. Like there's 146 elements or whatever. Mm-hmm. Remember they said, and I'm like, okay, now you've assigned it something specific, and now now it's all falling apart. Yeah, I don't know if it's one of those things that like it genuinely doesn't make sense, or like if the science is beyond me and I just don't understand it. <laughs> like, if I don't you understand happen to understand it, please explain <laughs> it to us in a non-condescending way. <laughs> we'll block you if it's condescending. I mean, I feel like I understand in theory what they're getting at, but I don't understand how it, the message couldn't wouldn't be rooted in a particular language and because i mean you're assigning numeric values to words sure i mean i kind of i understand that but because i mean we have stuff like morse code yeah but it's still morse code is still based like on english it has a basis at the end like yeah. it's an alphabet or it's a it's a code. So the, yeah, like this is what I didn't understand with it being universal across these four alien races. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we all know everybody in the galaxy speaks English, but like yeah. it, with it being like uniting like the Norse gods and like the Gwold and I guess the other two races like... Gwold is not in this. No, not the Gwold. Yeah, it's the Norse race and then there's three others. Three others. Okay. I thought the Gwold were one of the other. No. Four. But the Norse and then the other three, mm-hmm. you'd still need a common language. Yeah. English. English. English <laughs> is the common language. Watch when they do figure this code out, it all roots back to English. They're never going to figure this out, are they? No, it never comes up again. Great. And it's, it's especially offensive when, like, they're trying to pull Daniel away from this. And Ernest uh-huh. is like, well, you know, the next time you meet one of these races, you can just ask them about it. But I guess he never does. Well, the this whole message that's coded in the element thing is does never comes up again, but this introduces the concept of the four races, which does come up again. Yeah, and no, then, that yeah, that I had a feeling would because because you said it would, but right, yeah. But the message, the fact that the message never comes up again is very frustrating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it, maybe it's one of those things where like they shelved it, thinking that that's something that. It, they could come back to if they needed it and they just never really needed to or never had time to maybe 10 seasons yeah because i mean I, and with these four great races we meet three of them there's a fourth the fourth one we never meet and we never find out what they are either we know what they're called oh we just don't meet them yeah we don't meet them think so i feel time. like i feel like that could be like a great basis for like a new spinoff would be learning about this fourth race that we Ooh. never met Call us Stargate people. We yeah. have ideas. Call us MGM. <laughs> Not to keep harping on Daniel, but I'm gonna. Okay. Um, he was more willing to die for his little cipher machine mm. than for his wife. <sighs> yeah. He's, they're like, we mm. have to go. And he's like, no, my math problem. And I'm like, Daniel, your wife. And he's like, no, my math problem. <laughs> I feel like in generalities, it's I don't think he's more willing to die for this than his wife. But you're right in that he is willing to get himself stranded on this planet with a possibility of not being able to get back to Earth 
which means that he's forgotten his mission to go save his wife. I don't think he ever remembers his mission unless somebody else reminds him. Yeah, I don't know. I guess this is one of those, like, things where you have an obsession and the obsession distracts you from everything else. Yeah. Is that a point they're trying to make? Is that a point they're going to make? That he's lost Mm -hmm. sight of things? Not in a particular way, but I guess it's just kind of like part of his personality is that he gets hyper-focused on things that he's really excited about okay, and fair. kind of loses sight of other things. Including his wife. Yeah. yeah. Poor thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I've been keeping up your tally um, about how many times <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's to mention. So far at this point, there are five episodes when he has not mentioned his wife. How many? Five. Five. And we're on episodes nine and ten. So about 50% of the time, he has not mentioned his wife. I can't wait for this ratio to work out in my favor. (laughs) I mean, we do eventually find her. So, I mean, it's not a total cliffhanger. I mean. By the time that we find her, it'll be interesting to see what the ratio is of having (laughs) forgotten his wife versus not forgotten his wife. Yeah. We're going to hold him to account when we get there. Yep. Totally. We do have a conversation between Catherine and Sam in this episode, but it's talking about a man. So, so close. So, the two women with the close. most backstory on this show. And yeah. Talking about a man. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Another, like, um, kind of recurring, kind of not recurring thing is like their use of sending a mouth through with supplies. And it really came in handy this time because they needed all of that gear to be able to get power to the Stargate to dial home. I love their little cart. Yeah. It's so cute. But I feel like they don't always use those when going to their planets. And so I'm into, I, I feel like I just need to pay more attention going forward, like when they have a mouth and when they don't. Because it seems like they have a mouth when it's going to be most useful to them. They had it last time. Like, they had it um, in Thor's hammer. Yeah. Yeah. But there have been some that they didn't. I feel like they didn't have one with the Broken Divide episode. This was the first time I noticed it was this week. They've definitely had it a few times before, but I don't think it was really there at the beginning very much. Okay. So, yeah, I'll just try to, like, keep tabs on that going forward, if they're consistent or not. And I feel like this whole program... Is such a money pit because I bet those malps are really expensive and they don't always get them back. They are sometimes lost on these other planets. That's why they're not doing the little human info box. They're like, we've got to cut budget somewhere. That's what it is. Yeah. And they they also don't have psychologists on staff. Yeah. Because they they get all this money for the malps. Oh, oh man oh man but yeah when they um they discovered that the dial home device had uh, a big hole in the center and it, it was it wasn't functioning but they didn't know because it was concealed i immediately thought of my job because i work in claims and i'm just <laughs> like we're not liable for concealed damage <laughs> that's just immediately what my mind went to we're not liable <laughs> oh, got a man. little too real today <laughs> yeah. 
I did think it was interesting watching these back to back when they have, you know, a lightning storm going on that's going to help them power the gate to escape. And we just had the episode with Thor kind of speaking to Kendra through thunder. And it's like, you know, and the Norse gods are one of these four great races. It almost feels like Thor is helping them out. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. Hmm. I don't think that was on purpose, but. <laughs> no, let's roll with it. Let's roll with it. Thor was helping them. What I yeah, do totally. think is interesting mm-hmm. is considering Thor and the Norse pantheon as like aliens mm-hmm. in a post MCU world. <laughs> because. <laughs> how many people watching this like back then were as familiar with Thor and Loki and Odin and like I'm sure yeah. there were people who knew all this yeah. but how widely known was it when this was on yeah there? I feel like it's one of those things where you might learn about them a little bit as a kid but then you probably don't know very much about them unless you have particular interest in them as an adult and you specifically seek out books with yeah. like, Norse mythology but like Forest, Daniel yeah. explaining to the Valkyrie, like when Sam goes, we're from Earth. And it's like Midgard, we're from Midgard. I'm like, oh, yeah, like in like in Thor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. I'm like, right. I knew that because yeah. of a Marvel movie. Yeah. But yeah, I guess in um, in today's media culture, we know so much more about the Norse gods yeah. than back in the day. So that's funny. Like, Yeah. <laughs> It's being watched in a completely different context now. Yeah. Just wait till you meet the real Thor. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth. Wait. No. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. Uh, I'm not sure how old he was in 1997, but he was probably a teenager. Because I, I would assume he's probably about a decade older than us, right? Not very much, actually. He was 14 in 1997. He's oh, seven okay. years older. Okay. A little too young to play a, a Norse god on a random sci-fi show. So just a little. <laughs> so yeah, we, we did get some interesting and well-developed women characters in both episodes, but I don't think either one passes the Bechtel test. No, they don't. I think this is like a, a consequence of, of the time of the fact that like when you had more than one woman or more than one person of color, you didn't really know what to do with them yeah. if they weren't discussing being a woman or being a minority. So <laughs> I think that's just a product of the writing time. But, mm-hmm. you know, other than Sam not really having much to do, yeah, I thought Kendra and Catherine were both really well-developed. Yeah. And I guess now we got to give props to Catherine Powers for writing Thor's Hammer. We've really been ragging on her before for writing Emancipation and what was oh, it? Right. I think it was Brief Candle was the other one that had some issues. Yes. With um, the, yeah. Yeah. No, you know what? Good for her. Good for her on this one. Yeah. It was a good episode. Yeah. And she came, it, She really came around. Yeah. It didn't really have any hugely problematic things. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Daniel being a jerk to in mansplaining. Um, but no but sexual assault. No. None at all. Thank God. Um, what a thing to be happy about (laughs) oh goodness and it was nice too that that kendra was not white because it's like okay not only we're getting a woman we're getting another person of color Mm -hmm. on the show like i i feel that almost felt doubly deliberate the first bit being like that the gold we've seen so far people of color 
mm-hmm. the Jafar for the most part people of color. So Kendra would be also. But then on the flip side, I feel like they also made her a person of color so she'd stand out from the extremely white blonde village she was in. That's true. So it was kind of used as a tool. Yeah. Mm. Twice, in, in both directions, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that is an interesting question. I mean, we are definitely going to meet some gold who are white. So I think in the long run, it's about equal um, with white versus non-white representation for the gold. Um, but yeah, I didn't think about like trying to purposely make her stand out from the others. So hmm. do you think that's a problem necessarily? I don't know. It sort of depends, I guess, on what the intention was. And I don't think there's any way of knowing that now. But if the intention was to make her visually stand out because they were aware of how white and blonde it was, it's one thing. If the intention mm-hmm. was to make her stand out because they are the good humans and she's the former parasite, then it's not great. So it just right. kind of depends on what the intention Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like this is our only instance in these two episodes of a possible racial issue. And I don't even know if it was intentional. This is like pure speculation. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, do you have any final thoughts on these two episodes that we haven't discussed yet? No, not that we haven't discussed. So next week, we will be watching episodes 11 and 12, Bloodlines and Fire and Water. And you're welcome to watch along with us. Both episodes focus on character background and team bonding. So that'll be fun. Woo! Arzu, it is time for your next quote, so you can guess who says it and why. You ready? I'm ready. Uh, a minute ago, we were warriors of great skill and cunning. Okay. You need context first. Uh-huh. They arrive somewhere. Uh-huh. The locals are like, I don't know if this is immediately after they arrive or after some point where the locals need help dealing with a problem. And they're like, oh, but you are warriors of great skill and cunning. And then they do something that the locals don't like. So they're kind of trying <laughs> to shun them and be like, actually, you're not all that important. One of them, I'm going to say Jack, very sarcastically goes, ah, but a minute ago, we were warriors of great skill and cunning. Like, suddenly, like you needed us at first and suddenly we're useless. That's, did that make sense? It made sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes cool. sense. Yeah. That's what I guess. think happened. Okay. Well, well, we'll see if you're right next week. So that's it for today. If you want to talk to us about Stargate, you can find us on our podcast Twitter page at Wormhole Waffles. You can find me on Twitter at Chelsea Bearless. Arzu, where can everyone find you? So you can find me on Twitter at Arzu Amin, and you can find the Geeky Waffle on Twitter at Geeky underscore Waffle. We are the Geeky Waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And we are at thegeekywaffle.com. That's where we have all of our reviews. I write them. Chelsea writes them. You can find all of our shows there. And we're also on Patreon, patreon.com slash thegeekywaffle. All right. Thank you for joining us today. And we'll see you on the other side of the event horizon.